Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 163. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. We're releasing this episode on January 6th, 2016, the first episode of 2016, and this is going to be a very different episode because we are going to play a different podcast in this episode. We're going to play the second episode of the new Old Pre-Meds podcast. Now, if you haven't heard of Old Pre-Meds, Old Pre-Meds is the go-to site for non-traditional pre-med and medical students. Now, non-traditional means you are not a typical student that goes from high school to undergrad to medical school. You took time off from applying to college. You took time off from applying to medical school. Maybe you didn't know you wanted to be a physician in time to get everything done in time. Maybe you're a little bit older and you're rekindling your love for medicine at a later time in your life, and you're realizing now that you want to go back into medicine. There are so many ways to be non-traditional. I technically was a non-traditional pre-med student or or non-traditional medical student because I took three years off between undergrad and medical school. Now, part of that was because I didn't get into medical school the first time, but Uh, I did take some time off, reapplied, got in, and then deferred another year because I was enjoying my time off. But Old Pre-Meds is now a site um, that that I run, and it's part of the medical school headquarters now. And it's a wonderful site with amazing people in the forums. It's, It's mostly just a form, but we're adding now the podcast to it, and more will come to oldpremeds.org in the future. But if you haven't seen old pre-meds or haven't gone to the forums there, it's nothing It's nothing like the other forums that we say never to go to. Uh, old pre-meds is a great site, great form, very safe place, no trolls. And if there are, I'll kick them out. But uh, it's, a, it's a good safe place for you. And so with th- me taking over oldpremeds.org from Rich, who is now retired and is, and is focusing his time and efforts on other things, 
I wanted to start a podcast. And actually, the discussion for this podcast kind of came before um, Rich talked to me about uh, taking over old pre-meds, about letting me know he was retiring. But the podcast is going to take questions from the form over at oldpremeds.org, and we're going to answer them every week. And Rich is still involved in in that. Rich is an expert in in the non-traditional world of pre-meds and medical students. And so I'm going to have him on the podcast as as much as he can uh, take the time to do it and is willing to do it. And we're going to make podcast episodes based on that. So we're going to play the second episode here today. You can find the Old Pre-Meds podcast. You can go to oldpremeds.org. You can go to opmpodcast.com or opmpodcast slash two for this second episode that I'm going to play. But the question is about how old is too old to start medical school? Let's go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to play the podcast as if it's playing normally. You're going to hear the full intro and everything, and then I'll uh, talk to you at the end. The Old Pre-Meds Podcast, session number two. You're a non-traditional student entering the medical field on your terms. You may have had some hiccups along the way, or you're changing careers right now. You're ready to change course and go back and serve others as a physician. This podcast is here to help answer your question and help educate you on your journey to becoming a physician. As you can tell, my little intro ran a little bit longer than the music, and that's okay. This is only the second episode, and I'm learning and reworking the intro every time until we get something nice. Anyway, welcome back to the Old Pre-Meds Podcast. If you haven't listened to session one about who we are, who I am, and who uh, Rich is, then go back and listen to session one. You can find that at opmpodcast.com slash one. You can find this one at opmpodcast.com slash two, and that will take you to the... Uh, the specific blog post for these episodes. For all future episodes, you can do the same thing. This episode will be a nuts and bolts episode. We're going to actually dive into the forums over at oldpremeds.org and pull a question from the forums and answer it. This one is going to be a a common question that comes up when you're dealing with non-traditional students, and that is what age is too old for medical school. Now, I was posting something in Facebook recently about how um, I am taking over um, the old pre-meds website, and the question was brought up, what is considered old for old pre-meds? And the answer is, there really isn't an age that's considered, because it's really old pre-meds, just it's a non-traditional. If you didn't do things the normal route, going straight from high school to college to medical school. And so we're going to answer that question right now. Let's welcome Rich. How are you doing today, Rich? I'm doing fine. Yourself, Dr. Gray? I'm doing okay. We're on to episode two of the Old Pre-Meds podcast. If you haven't listened to Number one, our intro episode. Go back and listen to that. You can get it at oldpremeds.org or you can go to opmpodcast.com slash one. 
Rich, today we're going to talk about a very basic question for a non-traditional student. And that question is, what age is too old for medical school? So let me read the question that was uh, posted on the form, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. It says, I'm a 47-year-old female seriously contemplating going back to med school. I'm currently practicing as a family nurse practitioner. My desire is really strong, but I don't want to put in all that effort if my age is going to be a major factor in the admission process. I'm looking at attending an osteopathic school of medicine. Does anyone know of any person in med school remotely close to my age? Am I crazy? Question mark. Hmm. Well, in some respects, anyone wanting to go to medical school should be a little bit crazy to go there. Hey, but hey, hey. age is really not a factor at this point. Um, there are about a thousand people a year over the age of 30 who matriculate every year into an allopathic medical school. So that's about 5% of the total number of students who start a year of that about 1% or about 200 of the age of 35 for the DO schools, you get about 350 people a year over the age of 31 who start osteopathic school. And we certainly have had people in their 40s and even their 50s. Um, AMC reported a few years ago about 10 to 12 people a year over the age of 50 start medical school. One of our recent um, success stories, Lysha Heaton, I always say her name incorrect. She was a nurse midwife who recently graduated from the West Virginia School of Osteopathic Medicine at the ripe young age of 57 mm. and she's gone on to a residency in family practice medicine now certainly one piece that people do worry about is there any bias that goes on with this age because there's always question that comes up people who don't get into med school and what i have found so far most of the data suggests within a broad age range the percentage of applicants is nearly the same as percentage you get accepted so therefore, in that range, we're getting what would be expected. Same age range of the applicants, same age range of the matriculants and percentages. There is one exception to this, as I find people who are, we'll call, quote, um, much older than a typical applicant, that is 40 plus, they seem to be less represented. But until I actually look at some of the data that controls for other factors like GPA, MCAT score, I don't really think there is a bias of any kind going on. I think it's more has to do with it's more difficult to prepare, get the grades, get what you need to get done when you're working full time, have a family, etc. I think that's much more of a factor. Um, certainly a lot of people who have been successful in other medical careers, such as we said, uh, nurse midwife, nurse practitioner, uh, plain nurse, PhD researchers have also been successful in getting to medical school at 40 and above. So I want to, to first comment, there is no such thing as a plain nurse, Rich. I apologize for that. I meant someone who has especially nowadays where nurses are certainly specialized in many areas, but every nurse is special, especially when they're taking care of me. Yes, there we go. Okay, I want to make that comment first. Um, you had mentioned something earlier about allopathic schools having about a 1,000 
matriculants that are over 30 and osteopathic schools having about 350. So by by numbers alone, someone would jump to the conclusion that it's better for a non-traditional older applicant to apply to MD schools, but that's not necessarily the case, right? There's just more MD schools to apply to. The the applicant base for MD schools are about 50,000. The applicant base for DO schools is under 20,000. So there's a large difference. And when it comes to an applicant per seat basis, it is probably more, I'll use the word competitive, to get an osteopathic school than it is to get an allopathic school. That is, there are many more people per seat that are competing in the osteopathic than in the allopathic. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about that in a later podcast, the DO versus MD. But uh, okay, so... There really is no such thing as too old for med school. But one of the the first uh, good arguments that I've heard for training an older medical student is one from a resources point of view. And if, um, if, if you have one medical school, let's just say there's only one medical school in the country. If it's going to train a a traditional 22-year-old student who after four years of medical school and three years of residency is going to be, uh, let's see, my math skills, 29. They're going to practice, let's say, up until 60. There's, there's a good 31 years there of working. But if you have an older student, they have less years of good working time. And so from a resource argument, that was one of the first arguments that I heard that, that made a little bit more sense but there's still so many other variables that that go against that as well. What do you what do you think about that argument? Well, you know, that is not an argument that can be put aside lightly. And part of the mission of medical schools is to train physicians to handle the population. So they can make that. But as you just pointed out, there are many other factors. Not only do we want physicians, we want physicians who may stay and prove in, in the practice. One of the issues that I find with physicians that we're finding more nowadays is burnout. So while we like to think that they're going to have a job and stay with practicing clinical medicine for 30 years, they may in fact not. Um, Some of the more intensive practices, just critical care, emergency medicine, have a high physician burnout rate. Now, you also have within an older student who say has been a nurse practitioner, you have a proven commitment to medicine, proven patient skills. So while The educational curve is different in terms of knowledge and content in dealing with people. They have waves of experience above someone who's just starting out fresh. Yeah. Uh, So there's, there's lots of ways to look at it. And it really goes down to, will this person make a good physician that I want to be treated by? That's ultimately what the medical school admissions committee will ask themselves in the end. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, I hope that answered that question. Again, you can find the dedicated blog post for this episode at opmpodcast.com slash two. If you have a question, you want it uh, answered here on the podcast, go to oldpremeds.org and leave a question in the forums and we'll find it if it's interesting. Hopefully they're all interesting and we'll uh, answer it here on the podcast. If you liked the show today, got a lot of great information, go to 
opmpodcast.com slash iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Those are greatly appreciated. I like everybody that leaves a rating and review. And if you leave a review, I get those reviews and I can say thank you on the podcast for those. If you are interested in this content and you want more, go to mededmedia, M-E-D-E-D, media.com for all the shows that we produce. Right now, as we're recording this, there are just two, the Medical School Headquarters and the OPM podcast, the the old pre-meds podcast. The Medical School Headquarters is rebranding. It's going to be called the Pre-Med Years pretty soon. And we're going to talk all about pre-med stuff, which is what we already do, but we'll soon be launching a medical school podcast as well. So mededmedia.com for all of the fun stuff we're working on here at the medical school headquarters, including the wonderful old pre-meds podcast. That's a wrap for this week. I hope you join us next week for more great information and questions from oldpremeds.org. All right, so that was the Old Pre-Meds podcast, session number two. You can find that at opmpodcast.com slash two. I hope um, you take the time to go subscribe in whatever podcast player you listen to or just go on the website over there at opmpodcast.com and just click play right on the website. You can listen there. I'd love for you, if you know some non-traditional pre-meds or, or non-traditional medical students, to share this podcast with them, this new old pre-meds podcast with them. I'd greatly appreciate it. There's something else I want to tell you about. Go to dopremedright.com. Again, dopremedright.com. I had a, a kind of an epiphany recently about what what pre-med means and, and what doing pre-med right means. And I I made a quick t-shirt um, design and I posted it in the Facebook group, which if, if you're not a part of, go to Facebook or go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group and you can request access to the group there. But I was interested in this this phrase, do pre-med right. And I posted this and a lot of people ha- had different reactions to it. Some said, oh, that's great. I want that t-shirt. I'd wear it. Other people were like, well, what if you didn't do pre-med right? What if you got poor grades? Or what if you messed up and now you're trying to figure it out and do it right now? And I went to a place where where I said, you know what? Doing pre-med right doesn't mean getting great grades. It doesn't mean getting a great MCAT score. Doing pre-med right means staying persistent keeping your eye on the prize, knowing why you're going through all of this torture of being a, a pre-med, uh, studying for the MCAT, taking all these prereqs, making sure you have enough uh, research and volunteer time and extracurriculars and your shadowing and, and everything else, and also helping your fellow pre-med. That, to me, is doing pre-med right. Not being competitive, not being cutthroat, but doing pre-med right, helping those around you, because ultimately, we're trying to enter a career, or you're trying to enter a career, I'm already in it, you're, you're trying to enter a career of helping others. And if you start off by cutting everybody down around you, then it just it seems wrong to me. It seems backwards. And so 
I came up with this phrase, do pre-med right. And I have a, a, a limited uh, edition, I guess, limited time campaign on a website called Teespring, which lets you set up these campaigns for t-shirts. And you can go get one now for a week or two as, as this, for two weeks as this podcast releases. And if you're, you're listening to this at a later date, if you go to dopremedright.com, it'll take you to whatever I have set up at that time. But check it out, dopremedright.com. I'd, I'd love it if you go and buy a t-shirt, a hoodie. There's a couple things I set up um, to buy. So dopremedright.com. Well, I hope this podcast was okay for you. I hope you go and learn something new over at oldpremeds.org or opmpodcast.com. I hope uh, that this new endeavor with Old Premeds, I know that it's going to be a long-lasting podcast similar to the Premed Years podcast, which is what this will soon be called, uh, uh, coming soon, the Premed Years podcast. So, I hope you have a great new year. I hope the new year brings you lots of success and lots of new fun adventures. And as always, I hope you join us next week here at the Medical School Headquarters Podcast.